Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. This was the first time I've actually ever spoken to a sleep expert. So today's takeaway was huge for me because I haven't been a good sleeper for probably the last 20, 25 years of my life. So Devin Burke, sleep expert, gave me some wonderful sleep hacks. Probably my favorite takeaway was Devin's advice about taking two five-minute breaks a day where you're not solving anybody's problems or any work problems. He said, leave your phone inside, go walk around, you know, outside on the street or walk around your yard, look at nature, smell a flower. He said that can actually help me to be a better sleeper that night to just turn my brain off for about five minutes. I'm already utilizing that tip and I got to tell you, I'm sleeping better already. So give give today's podcast a listen. I think it's going to really help you to sleep better tonight. Oh, Devin Burke, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Devin is the author of The Sleep Advantage and the founder of the Sleep Science Academy. And I actually discovered Devin's work when I was listening to a friend of mine's podcast, um, Holistic Hilda from Weston A. Price Foundation. And I thought, oh my gosh, he has got to come on my podcast because Devin, I'm a terrible sleeper. I'm just going (laughs) to confess that right now. And I want to know, is bad sleep... Could that have contributed to me getting cancer? The truth is, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, so I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about you know how to get improved. I don't like to scare people too much because people that this is this is the thing when you start to tell people how important sleep is, people that have issues with their sleep, they sleep worse. Uh, that being yeah. said, hundred percent. If you are not sleeping, you know it does contribute to your chances of cancer, and there's a lot of science to support that. Uh, I was afraid you were going to say that, and one of the reasons why I have this podcast is I'm really committed to never getting cancer again. But I would imagine not sleeping great. It's not just increasing your cancer risk. Is it possibly you know diabetes or uh, inflammation? All of the above, heart oh disease, boy. diabetes, uh, Alzheimer's. I mean, literally anything that, you know, the, the, big, the big killers sleep is linked to. And so it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's because our immune system gets restored and repaired throughout the night. And so if we're not getting the sleep that we need, our bodies are not repairing. And so that's, that's really, I mean, that's at the, the base, most simple level Sleep restores our immune system. And when we're not getting enough of it, our immune system is not being restored. Okay. So it sounds like sleep is is one of the most important components of a strong immune system. It is. And, and I mean, you can think about it like this. I think probably everyone listening to this probably had this experience of at some point having issues sleeping, whether there it was, mm-hmm. you know, you had a stressful event happen in your life or 
whatever, maybe you just had uh, some insomnia and then you get sick. And I know personally mm-hmm. in my life, you know, I do all the, the things, you know, eat healthy and get the sun and exercise and move my body. But on the occasional times where I wasn't getting enough sleep, I always would end up with a cold or some type of sickness. And that is so true. And I think back to being in college and, you know, just busting it out during finals week, not sleeping. Yes. And then like 24 hours later, you end up with just a cold, flu, whatever. So, ah, you're right. Okay. So how, where do we start if, actually, you know what I, I think I'd rather start with is, can you define a good night of sleep for us? Yeah. So here's the thing about defining a good night of sleep. It's going to change and vary because there's not really, so throughout our life, the amount of sleep and the quality of our sleep is going to change. And it depends on so many factors. You know, it depends on your lifestyle, how much stress you have, how much, you know, physical stress you have. Professional athletes, for example, need way more sleep than the average person. Mm -hmm. You know, babies need more sleep than, you know, than adults, right? So our sleep architecture changes, but that being said, a healthy adult, you want to go through four to five 90 minute cycles of sleep. And you want most of that, Mm. 20% of that, you want to be in REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep and 20% of that to be in Delta deep sleep. Um, But the thing is, there's not, it's kind of like a fingerprint and every night is different. So you can't really, it's, you know, it changes. But the the ultimate test is if you wake up and you feel refreshed, if you have energy, if your, you know, your brain is functional, you probably got a good night Mm -hmm. of sleep. If you're waking up and you're fatigued and you're foggy and you're tired, then you're probably not getting enough sleep or enough quality sleep. Hmm. Okay. Right. Because there are times I, I, you know, I can sleep maybe eight or nine hours and I almost feel like I have a sleep hangover. And then sometimes I feel energized after six hours. Yeah. And so that can happen actually if you wake up in different cycles. So, so, so your body loves routine and loves rhythm. And so if you're oversleeping or you're, you're sleeping longer than you normally sleep, you might be waking up in a, in a different, a deeper cycle, which then you're kind of coming out, you're, you feel like you're in a fog and this can happen, especially for people that nap, they nap longer than 20 minutes. They start to drop into the deeper stages of sleep. And then they wake up. Sometimes people say, well, I I nap, but I wake up and I'm more tired and I'm more like, kind of like groggy and foggy. And it's because you're, you're actually getting into those deeper stages of sleep and then you're waking up. So like the ideal amount of time for a nap is actually 20 minutes because you're not quite getting into that Delta sleep yet, slow wave sleep. And huh. that's the kind of sleep that if, if you wake up, you're, you're going to feel a little bit confused and, and dazed. That is so interesting. And, and um, I'm, not a, I'm not a great napper, but I'm, I'm trying because I, I've read the data that people who nap actually usually have longer lifespans. There's more life to their life and fewer, you know, chronic disease, you know, things going on in their body. Um, So napping is probably something we could really practice. I think, so here's the thing about napping. If you have chronic insomnia and I can define that, meaning you have trouble either getting or staying asleep for longer than three months and it's affecting your life. Napping is actually something that you don't want to do. Because the reason why is there's this neurochemical that builds up in our mind-body system called adenosine. And adenosine creates sleep pressure or sleepiness. 
And when you nap, you're actually lowering the adenosine. It's getting cleared out because that's what happens when we sleep. And so that sleep pressure doesn't build up. So then you're not as tired at night and it can actually continue to contribute to you not being able to fall or stay asleep. Wow. I, okay. That is, that is brand new information for me. Thank you. That really makes a lot of sense. And if you're someone who, you know, doesn't have chronic insomnia and you know, you're, you're a hard charging person at napping is an incredible strategy. I mean, most of the world actually takes siestas, you know, it's like, it's a normal part of the culture here in America. Obviously we have hustle culture, you know, you hear the things, snooze, you lose, sleep when you're dead, all the things, right? But most of the world, and you go to Europe and you kind of can feel the vibe, it's it's a little bit calmer. People are a little taking these a little bit slower. And there's good reason that, to believe that that's why in some of these countries, in some places like Okinawa and you know, these blue zones, people live to excess of 100. They do, and they're and they're pretty they're pretty darn healthy. You mentioned something interesting, and I was going to ask you about this anyway. The quote, "I'll sleep when I'm dead," and people say that with just so much bravado. What is that about? Yeah, well, I think it's it's starting to change, Deborah. Now that people are understanding how important sleep is, but there's still stigma around sleep, so people kind of procrastinate sleep. They, the, the founder of Netflix actually quoted that sleep was his competition. So it's it, culturally, most people don't value sleep. And one of the reasons is because they don't know how important it is. Another reason is because we just have so much technology that kind of keeps us from sleep. So there's, you know, people are working later because of working from home um, you know, we have all this amazing TV shows and all, you know, all this entertainment, these social media platforms. So there's a lot more sort of things to distract people from actually sleeping. Like you go back hundred years ago when none of this really existed, people, you know, slept more. And, and you can actually see that in, in the studies as far as how much sleep people are getting. Right. What are, um, you know, dovetailing on that, what are some of the ways we can correct that because I'm guilty of being on my phone. I'm now putting some things into place where I'll actually, I still use my phone as an alarm, but instead of, you know, taking my phone up and, you know, doing this at, you know, staring at it at 10 o'clock at night, I set my alarm for the next day at like 7 PM. So I don't have to, you know, burn my eyeballs with, with that bright light at, right before I go to sleep. What, is that helping? And what other suggestions might you have? Yeah. I mean, it really depends on how far you want to go with this. I mean, I'm a big component of a tech-free bedroom. So literally no TV mm-hmm. and no phone. Um, but for some certain people that is, they're not willing to do that, or it's because they have an, an aging parent or they have kids that are out of the house and they, you know, they're they want to have the phone there, right? Right. So, um, but drawing really strong boundaries around technology is is important if you value sleep, because it really is the technology that's getting in the way of most people getting sleep. It's adding more stress to mm-hmm. to our lives in certain ways, which then directly correlates to people then not being able to, you know, get the sleep that they need and get enough mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I couldn't agree more. And I think about, um, you know, being someplace where there's just, there's not great connectivity. And so I end up reading before bed and then I sleep great that night. Yeah, that's a better, I would say that would be a better routine. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the thing. It's not like you have to you never watch a show before you go to sleep or never touch your phone. It's not about these absolutes. It's just really about finding balance. And we are creatures of habit. So we get in habits of doing certain things. So I always encourage all of our clients. And when I speak, it's just getting a healthier habit. It doesn't have to be this absolute, like I never watch a TV show before sleep, or I never touch my phone after a certain hour. Cause then that creates so much pressure around it. And it's, it makes it more of a thing. Um, it's just integrate these sort of steps slowly and then just notice how that impacts how you sleep and then notice how that impacts how you feel the next day. And, and then you kind of can say, Oh, it's actually worth it. I actually feel better <laughs> when I practice, um, you know, cleaner sleep hygiene, if you will, than, than when I don't, and then you can have make the decision from there. Okay. And um, I've also heard people mention sleeping in a cooler bedroom. Do you, do you have any information about that to share? Yeah. So our body temperature needs to drop two to three degrees Fahrenheit for sleep to happen. So, and throughout the night, our body temperature is actually going up and going down. And so studies have shown that a cooler bedroom, 68 degrees, they found is like sort of the optimal temperature does support deeper quality sleep. So, um, you know, for people that live in environments where they can open windows, where it's, you're also getting that good air ventilation because indoor air is, is not, not the best. So if you live in a cooler environment, that's a great strategy to kind of kill two birds with one stone, if you will, fresh air and cooler environment. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, I, I, I know I, I also sleep better in a, in a cooler room. And I also remember during my cancer journey, you just run so hot because of medications and surgeries and all the different things that you're going through. And I just wasn't sleeping. And I think I, I kind of just got in a habit of not sleeping. Yeah, and that's how it happens, honestly. So what happens is there's an event could be cancer, it could be a death in the family, a change of job, it could be, you know, a loss of a relationship, whatever it is, there's an event. And then there's what we do after the event. And this is where most people get stuck is what they do after they try to force and control sleep through sleep hygiene, even, um, or doing things to subtly control sleep. And then that creates this pressure around it, which then creates more stress, which then creates cortisol and adrenaline being released at the wrong times which then of course you're going to be up. Um, so that's usually the pattern of how most people develop lifelong sleep issues is, is what I just shared right there. Wow. Okay. So you can, you can actually like put your finger on an event and say, wow, this is kind of when my sleep stuff started to happen. For most people you can. Yeah. For Mm. most people. And, And we at sleep science Academy, we support literally the, the, the difficult cases, the people that have tried the functional medicine, the acupuncture, the therapy, all the things, uh, medications, and um, in some cases have had insomnia really bad for 30 plus years. Oh. Uh, so, but you can, the, the good news is you can change, you can, you can change that. You can change how you think about it. You can change what you do about it or, and, and when you change how you think about it and also the behaviors around it, all of a sudden people are sleeping. So, so um, you're not, it's not a curse. If you're listening to this and you're like, Oh my God, you know, I've never been able to sleep. Well, it's not a curse. Um, it's just, there's certain things that you need to understand to, um, to be able to allow your body to do what it knows how to do. Sleep is the natural, most natural thing in the world. 
I mean, it, it really, it's as natural as your heart beating or your lungs breathing or, you know, your nails growing, your hair growing. You don't have to think about sleep. It happens. Huh. I love that. Um, because you can get a little paranoid. And, you know, there have been times in the last couple of years where I've actually had a little sleep anxiety. Yes. So that Very is... Very common. Okay. Very okay. common. More common than most people realize. Um, and that's, honestly, that's the very thing that keeps people up. It's this, it becomes this sort of thing, this like pressure, like I need to sleep. And if I don't sleep tomorrow, I'm going to look like crap. I'm going to feel like crap. I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, and then right. all that stuff, you, you're thinking about it and it starts to stress you out. And then of course the body follows the mind. Oh, that's so, so the body good. is going to respond to that. It's going to release these, it thinks that you're at threat. And so that's re really, that is the root cause of most people's sleep issues. It's right there. Um, and so it's really un understanding that and then, and then putting in place, you know, boundaries and, and different techniques and tools and strategies to sort of break that pattern. Oh, I love that. And uh, that quote, I am going to use that. The body follows the mind. You're right. And that's in everything. But I can really see when I had a lot of sleep anxiety, how easily I could just start churning and burning. I call it churning and burning in bed. Yeah. 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 It's, it's honestly, it's the number one thing that keeps people awake. It's, and it's not always directly connected to sleep, although it absolutely can be, but it's people are worried about yeah. something and their mind is racing and maybe they're, they're wired and they're tired. So their body feels tired, but they're, they're, they feel wired. And so it's, you know, it's, um, it's anxiety. It's under, it's, it's low level stress. Yeah. So got to figure that out. So I've heard you mention before that you can't separate your day from your night. Could you give us a little bit more information about that? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, sleep is really a 24 hour thing. It's not, it's not just an eight hour mm. thing because what you do throughout the day directly impacts how well you're going to sleep at night. And so most people think, oh, like sleep is like a nighttime thing. It's, it's, it's not. As soon as you wake up, you're setting yourself up for success or, or, or challenge with your sleep. You know, so first thing in the morning, waking up, not having caffeine right away, because that dumps, uh, essentially, uh, if you're having caffeine, it releases more adrenaline. Cortisol goes up, it's highest in the morning, right? So we want that cortisol mm -hmm. to dip a little bit before any caffeine hydrating the body because you lose a liter of water through respiration and sweat and then getting outside and getting some sun and getting some fresh air. That's your, you're already starting your day, setting yourself up for the body to be able to sleep really well at night. See, that's, that's one example. There's many exa more examples than that, but just to kind of connect the dots, um, as soon as you wake up, it's kind of like you're setting yourself up for, for, Challenge or, or not? Huh. Okay. Well, I, I I knew, and this is what I do in the morning, is I get up and I head outside. I look in the direction of the sun, not directly at the sun, um, because I know that's going to reset my circadian rhythm so I sleep better that night. But Devin, I go outside with a big old cup of coffee <laughs> as I'm doing yeah. this. So you're saying I might want to rethink that? <laughs> Yeah. So wait, so here's the thing. If you can give it at least an hour, you know, start your day with water, preferably something maybe even alkaline, like lemon water, give yourself an hour for the cortisol to start to come down and then have your cup of coffee. 
So, you know, um, that, I mean, again, it's, it's, it, you know, depending how, how far you want to take this, but it's a small little change. You, you create a little more time and that'll make a difference for sure. Okay. I'm committed to being a better sleeper. And so I'm, I'm going to give that a try. I may not be able to do a whole hour, but I would imagine even just a baby step of maybe I wait half an hour might, might there be, yeah. I'll see if that helps. And if it does, I'm going to go for the hour. <laughs> there you go. Got to try it. Um, I, I have a tendency to overbook myself during the day. Can that impact my sleep? A hundred percent. So this is the other big thing. Shoot. Yeah. And who, and who, who now really doesn't, it's like, we live in this world where it's like, of course, you know, it's especially when you're, you're up to things, you got busy, hectic schedule. There's a million things going on. Um, so yeah. So one of the most simplest strategies is to draw boundaries and do less. And it's, Mm -hmm. and it's so often people go, and I'm not saying this is you, Deborah, but maybe it is. You go from one thing to the next thing, the next thing. And I call it nexting. You're just like the whole day, you're just nexting. Right. And it's so creating some space in between meetings, even if it's just five minutes where you're able to get out of your, out of your head and back into your body does wonders for your body being able to then wind down at night. Because I like to give the example. It's kind of like a balloon all day. The if you're a balloon, there's tension and pressure that gets built up as we're doing things, and we need to throughout the day let off some of the air in that balloon. If we don't, it's going to keep getting bigger. And then at the end of the day, now we have a lot of air we need to let out in order for the body to be able to sleep. So if you're just letting out some air throughout the day, then you don't have as much that needs to get let out at night for then the body just to naturally sleep. Does that make sense? It makes amazing sense. And I'm really connecting with that comment because I think about, okay, maybe I'm on vacation and it might take me a couple of days to just get that vacation vibe, I'll call it. But then I, I get it and I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping great the entire time That's because it. I've got, because I've got margin throughout my day because I'm sitting by the pool or I'm right. going for a hike or whatever. Yeah. You have, you have space. You have flexibility in space. space. And yeah, that's so important. And it's really, it's something that we have to be really intentional about in our own Mm -hmm. lives, because if we're not, it's just, we end up nexting. And so that's, that's a challenge. Because in our world, the more we accomplish, maybe the stronger, you know, we identify as, you know, a good business person or this or that, or a great dad, a great mom, but we're not we're not prioritizing sleep. hundred percent. I say it's, we link self-worth with our net worth. So it's people that are hustling to like, you know, make things happen. And maybe it's not net worth, but maybe it's like popularity or impact or whatever it is. But then we link that and then it becomes this like thing where we, we, we can't sit still. We have to be, it's like, everyone's so restless and so, so that's the other thing is, is learning how to, like at Sleep Science Academy, we had all of our clients practice mindfulness, uh, mindful awareness to help train the brain to see that, well, that you're not your thoughts, number one, um, but just to create some separation and some space to be able to have space to process some of the stuff that we, throughout our day, we just um, don't make time to, to process. And then it kind of builds up in the background and then we can't sleep. 
Okay, y'all, I am so picky about fish. I only eat wild fish. And yes, I'm that ridiculously obnoxious person in the restaurant where I interrogate the wait staff asking, what kind of fish is this? Where did it come from? But this is why I love ButcherBox Wild Salmon. Their wild salmon is caught in the wild in the Bristol Bay area of Alaska, which is really known for the best sockeye salmon on the planet. It's also sustainably harvest, which is really important to me. There's never anything added to it. And I love that ButcherBox has partnered with fishermen who really uphold strict fishing and handling practices to guarantee the taste and again, the quality. I am not good at eating salmon. I'm good if somebody puts it in front of me, but I'm not so good at buying it and cooking it. And according to Dr. Mark Hyman, the Mediterranean diet can be super helpful in lowering cancer risk. And he recommends at least two days a week eating wild salmon. And this is where Butcher Box really helps me out. I get my box. I've got individual wrapped pieces of salmon. I can defrost it in minutes and probably have dinner on the table in about 15 to 20 minutes. I talked to my friends at Butcher Box and asked them, listen, I'm not good at eating salmon and I'm guessing my listeners aren't either. So can you offer us a deal? And they put together, honestly, an unprecedented deal. So when you sign up for ButcherBox, you're going to get two pounds of wild-caught Alaskan sockeye salmon free in every box for three months and $20 off of your first order by using the code ENOS. Sign up today at butcherbox.com forward slash ENOS and use the code ENOS. Boy, that's a lot of my last name to get two pounds of salmon for free in every box for three months plus $20 off of your first order. Are you, um, are you talking about maybe five minutes of meditation or deep, deeper breathing, walking around your office out or walking around, you know, like outside your office? Like what kind of suggestions would you have for us? Yeah, breathe. I'm a huge fan of breathing for sure. Most of us breathe from our chest. If we can learn to breathe into our diaphragm and do it intentionally, that's an amazing way of letting air out of that balloon. Mm-hmm. Going for a walk, moving our bodies is another amazing way. Um, something that doesn't involve problem solving really. So mm. all day long, most of us are problem solving and then we treat sleep like it's a problem that needs to be solved, which makes it even worse. So creating some space to non problem solve. So that could be mm. a lot of things, but just do something that's a little bit mindless, um, in a mindful way. And it, that doing that will actually create space in your mind and, and in your body. And that, that's what we're looking for. I love that. So create space in your day where you're not problem solving. Yeah, that's a huge one, especially for high achievers. And most, most people that we work with are not, we work with all kinds of people, but a lot of them are these, there, there's, there's, a, there's a type. They're perfectionists, they are problem solvers, and then they put sleep on a pedestal. I call it the three P's. And those three right there, if you have those three P's, guess what? You're not, you're going to high likelihood, you're going to have issues with your sleep. Yeah. You are um, definitely going to be at the sleep science Academy, getting some help. Yeah, exactly. And it's true. And, and honestly, literally hundreds um, of people that have been through our program, I've spoken to thousands of people, but hundreds that have been through our program, it's there's, there's, there's a type, there's a type of person um, and often they're pretty empathetic and they care, mm-hmm. right? So they, they, they're, they're, 
And these are the types of people that experience sleep challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I always say if you're experiencing a sleep challenge, it's just your sleep is trying to teach you something. There's something that you 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 get to learn mm-hmm. through that challenge. And that's really, it's, and it, I see it all the time. We have breakthroughs all the time with our clients. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was doing this. And then they, they start to see it in like their whole life. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm like this way and this way and this and this. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, I can't believe I couldn't see that. But when that shifts, again, the body knows how to sleep. There's nothing you really need to do to sleep. There's millions of people tonight that'll do all the wrong things and sleep. Mm -hmm. And so what does that Mm -hmm. tell you? It's like, you don't really need to do anything to sleep, but understand, well, how are you getting in the way of your body naturally doing what it knows how to do? And that's the real question. Is how are we getting in the way of something that's as natural as fingernails growing or, you know, hair growing or taking a, taking a breath? It really is the truth. I mean, I, it, it, I've, and I, when people understand that magic happens, it really, it's, it's amazing. And it really seems like um, sleep is the secret sauce. You know, if if you wake up rested, pretty much everything else that's going to happen in your day, you can do well. Yeah. And you know what? That's, this is a hundred percent true. And this is the, the trickiest thing here because that's part of that pedestal, right? And then mm-hmm. people seek it. It's like, oh my God, I'm a starving person and I need food because you have the experience of wow, on that night that I slept well on vacation when I didn't have any stress, <laughs> I was like the happiest, lightest, sharpest person I've been in whatever, decades. Um, so then yeah. it becomes like this thing that we're like grasping for. And then that creates more pressure around it, which paradoxically keeps you up. So it's all these little things. It's really, yeah. So many yeah, it things, is, it is. so many factors. And we've made it, we've made sleep complicated. Yes. Yeah. We have made it very complicated and in its its most basic form, it's pretty simple. And I think one of the big takeaways um, that I've had just during our short conversation is I really need to have space during yes. my day. I need to I need to have better boundaries with my schedule and create some space during the day where maybe I do just go outside for five minutes with a cup of tea and I don't try to fix yes. anything. That's the key because you can do that. See, some, the first step is actually creating the space to do it. The second step is like not trying to fix anything because sometimes people they'll take the break, but then they're on their phone looking at their email or answering messages and, and they're problem solving and they're, they're not even aware. It's like, well, no, that's not, that's not it. Like that's not, you're, go- you're going away to like not do anything, just to be with yourself. Right. Well, that's my big light bulb moment is, is I'm not going to go outside and walk around my yard or, you know, do something else and, and think about this problem I'm trying to fix at work. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go outside and maybe look at the flower, you know, yes. smell yeah. the air, watch a bald eagle fly overhead, whatever. That's it. Look at the sky. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. become present to like what's actually happening yeah. versus you know, future pacing something that's, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great takeaways. Um, but I still have a couple more questions and this might be kind of a truth or a lie. Um, I've heard people say that your most restorative sleep is before midnight. Yeah. So (laughs) there is some truth. They, so some, I've heard certain people call it like the money sleep hours. Um, and so the reason people say that is because 
statistically, most people get most of their deep sleep in the first quarter of the night. So if you look at your night, like there's four quarters, most of the deep sleep, the Delta slow wave sleep, which is a really important stage of sleep where the body repairs and recovers. There's so much happening physically during that stage happens in that first quarter. So if you're, if you're, and, but it depends on your chronobiology. So certain people, you're actually, your bedtime might be 12 o'clock, like naturally, and that's fine. So it's, so it depends on your natural chronobiology as well. It's not like there's like, everyone needs to be asleep by, by 12 o'clock because that's, you know, somebody said whatever. Right. So, but, but that being said, yes, that's when most of the deep sleep happens. And then on the, on the fourth quarter, so the first quarter deep sleep, and then we're getting some deep and REM in the second quarter and third quarter. And then on the fourth quarter, right before we wake up, that's when we're getting most of our REM. And unfortunately, what most people do is they do things to get in the way of that first quarter. They eat food too late or they're watching, you know, they're getting a bunch of light exposure. So melatonin's not being released as much as it could be. Um, and then, or they're drinking alcohol and then, and then they're getting up too early because they're not, a lot, because they have to be somewhere for work or whatever it is. So they're cutting those two kind of bookends of the night short, which then shortens their life. That's the truth. Wow. Oh, I, I want you to speak the truth. And that was a shocking statement, but yeah, it shortens, they've shortened their sleep, which is going to impact the length of yeah, their life. And again, I'm not just saying that casually and I'm not saying it to scare people, but like literally, you know, they've done mm -hmm. studies that show our telomeres. So you can think of, you know, that's like they shorten when we don't get enough sleep and we mm -hmm. want those things not to shorten because that's, that's our life. You know, that's, so mm -hmm. we want, and, and again, it's not, the, the, um, it's so, I, I, I don't want to scare people because that's not the purpose mm -hmm. of this. And, it, and also, sharing this too. Sometimes people are like, Oh, I need, I'm not going to live long if I don't sleep. So if that's you, that's not the case. Um, but there, yes, sleep is that important. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it, from a common sense standpoint, it goes air, right? Most important the last couple of minutes mm -hmm. without air, right? What's next? Water. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then here, here's the big one. What's after water? I would say food, but sleep. No, really sleep. Yeah. Then so, food, then movement. So, because okay, so air, water, water. and then sleep. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, because okay. you, could, you could you would survive longer without eating than you would survive longer without sleeping. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So so I mean, think about it. I mean, that's why it literally yeah. is it's foundational. And when most people think about health, what do they think about? Nutrition mm -hmm. and exercise. Yeah. It, but there's this whole thing called sleep that a lot of people are just totally, plus we do it a third of our lives. So it's like, why right. wouldn't you want to, you know, think about how to make that a really great third? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to, yeah, no right? kidding. Right? Right. So, so yeah, so that's, I mean, it's, it, that's from just a, a common sense standpoint. That should tell you something. Boy, okay. I've never thought about like this. So this is phenomenal information. And I can also see that anybody listening to this might either really embrace this or say, oh my gosh, there's just too much for me to change. And Devin, I know you've worked with thousands of people. You were named one of the top 25 health coaches in the US. 
you're full of wisdom. For somebody who is um, maybe now feeling a little anxiety about this, where's the best place for them to start? Yeah. So, so what I found after working with hundreds and speaking to thousands of people is the best place to start is actually in your psychology. So we have a framework. Mm. We look at the psychology first, then the physiology, and then the environment. What most people do is when they're trying to you know, sleep better, they look at their environment. They do it backwards. They look at their environment. Mm-hmm. Then they look at the physiology, mm-hmm. their, their body. Then maybe they look at this psychology. So you mm. have to look at, well, if the body follows the mind and it does, then we have mm-hmm. to start in the mind. Hmm. And if we don't start there, if we try to skip it and do the sleep hygiene stuff and, you know, cold, dark room, and then that's, it's not going to work. And that's why so many people carry this story of I've tried everything and nothing, nothing's worked because they're going online, they're reading these sleep books and I'm doing perfect sleep hygiene. You know, I don't understand. Something's wrong. I'm broken. It's like, no, you just, you need to look, you're doing it in the wrong order and you really need to address what's going on mentally. That's getting in the way of your body, again, doing what it knows how to do. Sleep's a result. It's not a problem. So, so that's where we would start. We'd look at, well, what is your sleep story? What's creating anxiety? Like you, you identified you have, you know, um, a busy schedule. So like it'd be something like if you were a client, we'd say, okay, Deborah, we're going to starting now, we're going to create space in your day. We'll help, we'll support you to do that because we know that's going to help you sleep. And that takes you know, changing how you think about your day. Then, then after we sort out the mind stuff, then we can get into the physiology and we can, we can look at, okay, well, what are you eating? Are you hydrated? You know, are you moving your body enough? You know, all of those types of things. And then, and then the environment, we can look at, you know, your, your bed and bedroom. Um, what does that look like? What does your work environment look like? What is your, you know, so, but really for most people, in my experience, 90% of the challenge is actually in their psychology. It's in how they're thinking about it. Yeah. It it actually was surprising to me because when Mm. I got fascinated with this and I started to study it, I was learning all about the sleep hygiene, all about the physiology. And, and it really was when I started to really understand this challenge, I was like, wow, it's, it's, it's the psychology. It's these underlying patterns, Mm -hmm. these, these things that people do or don't do because of how they think that are really the thing that creates the sleep challenge. And that was a surprise to me. Well, it's a surprise to me too. Yeah. To most people it is. Yeah. And, and it, and it, the thing is, and this is where it gets, I'm like, ah, oh, I feel for people because you can't see your thoughts. Right. And, and, and sometimes people are like, I don't want to up here. That's, that's a dangerous place. Right. I don't know how to deal with some of the stuff that goes on up there. Whereas you can see, you know, we live in a physical world. You can feel your body. You can control your environment, right? And so it makes sense that most people try to change their physiology and their environment because it's like it's tangible versus the psychology stuff, the emotional stuff. That's, you know, it's a little bit more challenging for most people. Right. And because if we're going to change our our bedroom, great, we can go to, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond and <laughs> yeah. go buy, you know, a sleep machine or whatever it is. Exactly. It's easy. But the hard stuff, it's always going to be mind, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, honestly, I, I love this quote. It's, the mind is a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. And so when you Ooh. learn, and I forget who said it, I think it was like one of these mm-hmm. ancient 
like uh, think, gurus. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I love that because it's so true, right? So it's when we understand how our mind actually works, not only does our sleep get better, but our entire life gets better. Mm-hmm. Because so much, we just tell ourselves stories all day and we believe them. And, and, and it's just like, it creates so much unnecessary drama, suffering and pain. And it's like, when you can really understand what's going on in your psychology and really, it's like, wow, life just gets easier. It gets more enjoyable. You're sleeping better. Everything gets better. So it's, yeah. And that's really most of the work that we do at Sleep Science Academy is really helping people unpack pack that stuff. And I will say, um, now that I'm hearing you say this, I'm realizing that I've started tackling this. I probably started doing this about six months ago when I just, again, was not sleeping great. And instead of getting into bed and kind of going through my list of all the things that I didn't get accomplished that day, I now, my list is now all the things I'm grateful for. And instead of churning and burning for an hour trying to fall asleep, I'm asleep in about 10 minutes. Which is what, it's perfect. That's natural. That's, that's a healthy onset time right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you, you can't really be like when you're thinking about all the things you didn't do, that's going to put you mm-hmm. in a state of like shame or guilt or blame or like fear or anxiety versus like, mm-hmm. if you're in a, looking at all the things you accomplished, you're in a state of gratitude, right? Yeah. And you can't yeah. be in a state of fear and gratitude at the same time. And if you're in a state of gratitude, so you know, your body's going to function n- normally like how it should be. Right. Cause that's our, our natural right. state. Yeah. And I would imagine if I'm, you know, the old me, which was kind of going through my, oh, I didn't do this or, oh, I wish I would have said this to that person. That's going to create probably more cortisol and cortisol is the enemy of good sleep, right? Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the thing, cortisol is great. It wakes mm-hmm. us up in the morning and we need it. Um, but not at, you know, 1030 at night, <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not no the time. Kidding. It should be coming down, not going up. Great. Well, Devin, I loved our conversation. Um, and to me, it's, uh, you know, it's a welcome challenge because I've, I've never really thought about so many of the things that you were talking about. And probably my biggest takeaway is the body follows the mind. And so getting control of that mind before I get into bed, probably not just, you know, getting into bed and letting that mind start, I need to probably start setting some intentions before I even crawl into bed. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many ways to work with our mind. And so certain techniques and tools work better for certain types of people. For, mm-hmm. for some people, actually what works amazing is just letting their, letting their mind run wild without making mm-hmm. it wrong or saying like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be thinking about all this stuff. Like, cause you can't control your thoughts really. You can only control what you make them mean um, and mm-hmm. what you focus on, right? So just allowing the thoughts just to come in and just kind of be like, oh, that's interesting. I'm having that thought again. And sort of be mm-hmm. like a little uh, bird on the windowsill of your mind. Sometimes that mm-hmm. works amazing too versus mm-hmm. you know, doing something so that you have less thoughts or, right. cha- or trying to change your thoughts. So it just depends. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a time for a place for both. Yeah, that's great. So um we should all be encouraged because we can make a huge impact on our sleep. Yes. Yeah. If you're somebody that has tried all the things and you're still not sleeping, hopefully this has given you some hope that you, you know, that's, it's not a lifelong sentence. Um, and if anything, it's just remember, it's the most natural thing in the world. It really is. There's mm-hmm. nothing that you need to really think about it. 
And I love the simplicity of that. So, so Devin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really, I have so many takeaways and so many notes from our conversation, but I'm going to stay focused on simple, simple, simple. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks for keeping it. That's it. That's, I mean, really, (laughs) the less you think about sleep, usually the better your sleep is. Um, in some cases, you know, if, if you're having issues with it, um, so, but for those people that are not prioritizing sleep, hopefully this also encouraged them to, to make it a priority as well. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Devin. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Enjoyed the combo. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening. 